We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Group Therapy. It's Kirk Henderson, MavsMoneyBall.com. I'm coming to you on Friday afternoon when I probably should be working, but there was a lull and I didn't want to do any more salesforcing. Uh, it is August 19th. The Dallas Mavericks don't play for a while, and we don't have a ton to talk about, but it's been a long time, and I wanted to hang out. Uh, I went on vacation. I completely disconnected from the internet, and since then, there have been some new things that have happened. Uh, as the as Jacob just noted, we got the schedule. Uh, Luca is playing in some friendlies prior to Eurobasket. He also plays tomorrow again. Well, the, the Slovenians play tomorrow against Croatia. I bet he plays in that. And then next week, there are, I think these are qualifying games, uh, the 25th, Team Slovenia plays Estonia. And the 28th, uh, Germany. And then on September 1st, they play Lithuania. So, uh, you got anything you want to talk about? It really could be anything at all. NBA at large doesn't have to be Maverick-centric. You want to uh, tell me what you've been doing. You want to make a recommendation to the to the hangout squad here. Uh, let me know. I don't mind. We'll uh, hang out for about a half hour and see what uh, everybody's doing today. Um, coming up first is my guy, Grayson. What's up? It's been a while. How you doing, Grayson? Hey, Kirk. So I've been thinking, as you do during the offseason. That's dangerous. And I hate to start out the pod like this, but <laughs> they, they, should, they should consider trading for Westbrook. They really should consider it, I think. Okay. So just is, for is the, this a, the cap. Is this a just boredom? For the just for like, the cap. Okay. You know, you clear off all of that money and one. I... Hold on. I'm sorry. You're cutting out. I, mean, I think I? it might be me though. Hold on. That's all right. I can hear you. I can hear you all right. Well, while you're figuring it out. Okay. The, all right. The, sorry. Yeah. Can you hear me now? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, you sounded good the whole time. Okay. Sorry. I, I got it. I just connected to Wi-Fi, so it's it's, it's ah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, that happens. 
anyway, but yeah, I think they should trade for Westbrook um, if they don't have to give up, you know, any assets to do it and they can get the Bertans contract and maybe the Hardaway contract off the books, then like, you know, I think it, I think they should do it. I mean, from a pure cap point of view, I understand why you say that, but from a competitive point of view, the Mavericks is just not something they're going to do. It's just not like he is as toxic an asset as any team. Like they would basically get him to cut him. And I don't think you're going to be able to sell Luke on that. Like he doesn't care about the cap metrics. He just wants to win. I do understand why you would suggest it because it's, and I was, I was on a call-in show with Seth, Seth Partnow last night, and their challenge at the moment is they just – it's going to take 18 months for some of these cap things to start to resolve themselves, whether it's you know, the other draft pick that they owe, whether it's one more year into some of these deals, which aren't fantastic. Um, and, and as a result, it's like we're just kind of sitting here twiddling our thumbs, and it makes you want to do crazy things like go dra- or go trade for Russell Westbrook. That's right. Yeah, that's well, right, that's, Manny. He did say that. I did say that, Manny. <laughs> but no, like my my take is like if they can't, if you know, if they can't get anyone else this off season, and and they go to the Lakers and they say, here is you know Hardaway and Bertans and like maybe Powell to match the salary, we'll take Westbrook and just cut him. Y'all take the long term money, but get Russ off, and we just you wouldn't even him. want the pick. No, the pick is, like, I mean, is the where pick things get right. dicey. The pick would be great, but I don't think I think they would have better offers on the table if they were going to trade. A pick. See, but the, so, the Lakers basically are going to have to send a pick in most cases. That's why there's been no deal done. Is no one did, wants him for saying. anything? Is, is there like a lot of people in this group chat that are super against like Hardaway, Bertans, and Powell not being on the roster next year if it gets us off long-term money? Like, I just think that's a small sacrifice to make. And they would cut Russ, probably. Like, uh, Mark yeah. Cuban said that Russ was not a true superstar when Russ was actually a superstar. <laughs> when Russ was an MVP kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I'm just – I'm not advocating – I don't think Rush like, I'm not saying Russ should be yeah. a football handler. I'm just saying, like, take advantage of the Lakers situation and fix your cap sheet. But, I hear you. Uh, anyway, I, this, this off season is awful, man. This is horrible. So let me, let me ask you that. Is it awful because it's awful or is it awful because it's the first long one we've had in a while? It's, because well, it's I'm, I'm okay with, I'm okay with the off season overall. I've sort of, I've made my piece of it because I think what they're doing is they're going to expect Luca to carry an even bigger load, which frankly, okay, fine. Um, watching him play as as they played in Slovenia, they need to surround him with the kind of players that would result him playing in in different positions, and they just they can't do that right now. There's no means to. So so I I do understand if you're very unhappy if you're very unhappy, but I just you know you lose Brunson, that's kind of the big unhappiness marker. But past that, like I don't you know McGee annoys me, but it, it, it the Wood trade I think was interesting. I think it's an interesting idea. I, I just feel okay. Is that preposterous or is is or what? What do you think? No, I I think it's been fine. Like I'm not ups, I'm not like devastated with this off season. Losing Brunson sucks, but I think Wood is super interesting. Like and has the potential to actually outscore Brunson just points per game. Um, but and I and I know that that's not the same thing because there is shot creation. I know. Right. Stuff, but anyway. I'm just saying the combination of this offseason actually being the correct length of an offseason 
and nothing happening because Kevin Durant and Rudy Gobert destroyed the entire market has made it just a brutal one because nothing is happening. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Though I will say I have enjoyed the friendly ball, like the pro, the pro leagues that we've seen, you know, some of the Drew League stuff is wild. It's not really for me, but it's fun. I've loved watching some of these friendly matchups as teams get ready for Eurobasket. So like, I think next summer might be re- like cause the Olympics aren't until 2024. So next summer, summer 2023 might be real, just boring. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to so like at least enjoy this element of it. Yeah, thank God we've got Eurobasket and 2K. Otherwise, basketball would not be on my mind right now. See, yeah, and honestly, it hasn't been for me. I've watched a lot of television. Like I, I inadvertently had kind of like a Native American evening the other night when I watched two or three episodes of Reservation Dogs and then switched mm. to Prey when my wife went to bed. Um, Prey was one of the best uses of 90 minutes <laughs> I've had in a long time. The movie was so cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, basketball will be back soon because I want to say these guys reports training camp last week in September, maybe. So it's, it's, we've got about four, four or five ish weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're getting there. And you know what? The NFL is almost here. Like, we're really on the precipice of like having actual sports again. I've tried to watch some Ranger games this offseason, man, and they're just, they're just paint drying on a wall right now. That's right, man. That's uh, right. Anyway, I appreciate you having me up, Kirk. The last thing I'll say is it's not what's going on in Utah. It's what's going on in Dallas. Sure. Sure. Just manifest. I appreciate it, Grayson. Talk soon. Appreciate it. All right. Coming up next, we have Mr. Volo. It's been a long time. What's happening? It's going well, Kirk. How about yourself? It's Friday. It is Friday. You're a little come a little close to that mic. Sounds like you're on a speaker. You know what? I think it's there. We go. From, okay, I tried twelve different headsets and they all they all never work. Um, but anyway, um, I'm just doing some Euroleague. Um, watching Dragic and Luca plays is nice. Um, it's unfortunate we can't play play Dragic more than once a week uh, with you know Frank. Sure. Josh Green, you know, but that's besides. Um, no, I'm just, I'm kind of, I feel like me and you have switched positions in terms of Mavs future. Um, I feel like I've gotten more cynical and you've gotten more, uh, more open-minded, but uh, I don't know. I just, I think this offseason went as bad as it could have possibly went. Um, and so for me, I'm just... I just don't know how we're going to get by with two. So I went on a show last night. My friend Seth Part now, smart guy, probably one of the smartest guys in professional basketball, for being honest, and he tends to know it, which is pretty obnoxious. Um, but he's my friend, so what are you going to do? And right now the Mavericks plan, if we could boil it down, is try to be a – is wait for something to happen. With an unforeseen thing in the market, more or less. Because without picks, without cap space, that's kind of the option. Now, I don't blame that on anyone in particular past a year, like series of decisions, most of them justifiable, that resulted in where Dallas is in terms of cap sheet and in terms of draft pick. And I think I'm probably just as cynical as you're describing but 
I've, I'm trying not to let that be my whole personality when I do this sort of thing, because when you talk as often as I do, I want to, you know, when Cuban, com- like when Cuban complains about social media, maps, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, I always try to like hear him for what he's saying, even if I think he might be complaining too much, because there is an element to it. Because if you're like watching a sport, covering a sport, doing whatever, thinking about it, it should be a little bit of fun. Otherwise, what are you, you know, otherwise we probably need to do something else. And so, you know, it's, that's more a me problem. Like you guys that come in here, I also really think there's something about how, like who and how you talk about it. Cause like when you're in front of a screen and you're typing, everything seems to get progressively angrier. But like when you're talking with your friends, usually it's like there's things that are funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I think you've made very good points. I just, I think there was, before Fragus started, there was, you know, some optimism in terms of what they could do. And you, and you could have looked at a number of different things they could have done. Um, but when you get out of free agency and your best signing is Gabelle McGee, who's, again, mind you, 34 years old and extremely reliant on athleticism, I think what bothers me is that I feel like a large part of the community, especially mass media members, have kind of pushed this Gabelle signing as like he's like a 20, 15 to 20-minute-per-game player. When in reality, he's a 10 to 15 minute per game player in the regular season, and he's at most a 10 minute per game player in the postseason. If you look at Gabale's game log from the playoffs over the past couple of years, right. he'll start off a series playing maybe 10 to 15 minutes and the series. Yes. I think his last four games against the Mavericks uh, were basically zero minutes, nine minutes. The last game was like 16 minutes, but they were being blown out by 40 points. So it's, I just, when you come out of free agency and you could have paid a Daniel House for similar money, actually a bit less money, you could have paid uh, Otto Porter Jr. the same money. Uh, and you look at like alternative moves that could have happened to where you could have ended up in this, like realistic options, not like, you know, out of this world, unrealistic options. I think that's what bothers them. And then the narrative, I think of kind of a Cuban push narrative that Jalen Brunson couldn't be reached. And they couldn't, they couldn't have done anything to retain him. Um, it's pretty absurd. I think it's been a narrative that's been pushed. Yeah, yeah. And it's absurd because he set everything up for failure by noting that they could pay the Maverick, pay him the most, and then not offer yet. And there's elements of the narrative that are very frustrating because then there's the counter one that you're talking about. It's like, Oh, well this, the the Mavericks never really had a chance. Mm -hmm. If the Mavericks never really had a chance and I have come around to that as a point of view, then it never should have been said that they could pay him the most. That was an unforced error. And that is just one of the hallmarks of when Mark Cuban does things like there it's, it's open negotiations for no reason. Like you don't need to do that. So yeah, exactly. I just think, and there's the idea that oh, he never gave them a shot because he never took a face-to-face meeting or, or something like that. But that's not how business works in the NBA, right? The yeah. only time players take face-to-face meetings is when they already know what the offer is, and they're just getting the organizational pitch, i.e., Dwight Howard, Jeremy. Sure. We play that game, right? So they 
could have called his agent, offered, and we knew the Knicks offer, you know, a week in advance before Sturgis was played. We could have called him any time, offered him the five for 125. And if you want to make the argument that's just too much money, that's fine. You can make that argument. I'll disagree, but it's fine. But is this this false narrative that's been pushed that he never they never got a chance? What stopped him from calling his, his agent? Nothing. So yeah, um, I just I guess I'm I I used to be a really pro Cuban guy. I used to think he just wanted the best for his team, but I think I've kind of turned on him as an owner. I think he's far closer to a Sarver than he is a Joe Lacob or a, uh, or or from the Clippers. Um, I don't know. I'm never Cuban's such a touchy point for me because I have like I sometimes I feel like I've been like gaslit by people who really love him because I wrote the article that basically like the 1200 words just laying out here are the things that he has done that I think are openly detrimental to team building, free agency, etc. And people were just I, I lose and I'm just like I'm just using his own words here, guys. Like the, and, and everybody gets very defensive and upset who really, really likes him. I will say, I do think, having talked with him, I do think he does, like, he does have the best interest. He does want what's best. The problem is, I suppose, if you're in charge and, you you know, you've made your money and you've made your way in life by always being involved, taking a step back and letting people who might be better that you do something is really difficult. And it's something that I have tried to come to terms with. Because I think, you know, at one point or another, you hire Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd to try something new. And I, I still don't think they've been, because of the lack of assets, I don't think they've been allowed to try anything new. Like, I, for some reason, like, Nico Harrison gets credit for the Reggie Bullock signing. That The timing of that doesn't really make sense. Like, the, if free agency is done in advance, then the Bullock thing was already – it. You know, like, I just don't know how much wiggle room these guys have had to operate. And so I want to give them one and a half, two years to sort of see where things go from here to give them an opportunity to build their own thing. I mean, you already move on from KP. That's a big positive step, or if if not positive at the, you know, viewed as positive at the time, it certainly ended up as incredibly positive when you continue to win a billion games. So I don't know. I suppose that's why I just, you know, the floor with Luca is high. And and so it's like when you when you view it from the Luca lens, everything from there tends to sort of flow downhill. Where you you do the same thing we did with Dirk from like 2003 to 2008, 2009, where it's like, well, we've got Dirk, everything's gonna be okay. And it's kind of crappy because it's like maybe that's not fair to put that much stuff on one person. But I do think that there's an element of of that one person being able to to hold up the Mavericks world to a degree. Well, you got yeah, anything those, else for us? All, yeah, those are all, all good. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll hop out. Uh, but yeah, I guess my worry is that, you know, from that 2008 to 2011 phase where, uh, you know, kind of the world came crashing down until we somehow won the championship in 2011. Like that was uh, that time period of really. Uh, and those teams were still real good here. This is the this is the part that the Warriors have broke. And it really had like has like managed to like throw some you know you have the Lakers dynasties of the two thousand like things like that more often than not winning the championship is really dang hard and you need a certain confluence of events to come together at the right way the right time what the Mavericks just did to get to the Western Conference Finals is a great example of that 
You know, I, I've been talking expectations with people and, and, you know, and Tim Cato's thing, a lot of people put like getting to the Western conference finals, anything less than that, it wouldn't be a successful season in Tim Cato's poll. I'm like, that's insane. Finishing as a top four team in the league is the statistically unlikely outcome, even if you're the number one team. So I, I don't know. It's it's different. It's just, you know, I, I keep coming back to how we will, um, how we, co- you know, how we think about these things and try to have a little bit of perspective. And I think you're, I think you're taking a good one now. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic because of Luca. the other stuff, they'll fall into place. We have a couple years to figure out, so we'll hopefully best. All right, thanks. Sure thing, man. Talk soon. Mm-hmm. All right, coming up next, we have my Twitter friend, Snacks for Tweets, but he does a different handle on here. How do we invite him up on stage? I figured, I forgot how to use my app for a moment. What's up, my guy? Hey, can you hear me? I can. You sound great. Great. Just making sure. <laughs> no, nah, my man Davis there, he has, a, It's it's been like two years of him not being able to have his mic work. And so I just, I've decided that we're just going to live with it and I'll adjust his audio in post-production. <laughs> or I won't and people will yell at me. How you feeling, man? I'm okay. Nice little Friday here. Yeah, right. It's like not 100 degrees. I'm not sweating my ass off. It's great, right? It's important. It is. Uh, one quick thing before I get started. If I heard Jalen Brunson's name one more time after I said it, I just might go like chop down a tree or something. <laughs> like, who? I don't know any Jalen Brunson's. Me either. Two strand twist. I don't know the guy anymore. But uh, <laughs> listen, man, like I'm still seeing people freaking out on the timeline. I don't know why. Like we're a, 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 a good chunk of time removed from all this going on. And like the season starts in what? A month and a half, maybe. August is pretty much over. Almost I mean, two months, yeah. Yeah, almost two months. Like, it's crazy. Like, when are people actually going to realize that, hey, it's not that bad? And second of all, most of these tweets that I'm seeing are from people that weren't even sold on JB being the fit in the first place. So what do you have to say to that? I'm always – it's difficult because you process fan expectations in, like – particularly when you get hurt as a fan, it, it really is similar to grieving where you like walk through and there's all these justifications and I get it because I was an early, what do we think about Brunson? Are we sure guy? And people murdered me for it. And then I came around on Brunson and I've decided he needs to be with the team. And then there's, you know, factions, ah, oh, you can't pay him that much. So it's like a real fun role reversal. And I will say that, if if you're very if you're still frustrated by it, I get it, but it is an instance to where I do think that in the long term, so we're talking three, four years, had Jalen Brunson resigned, Jalen Brunson would have been the first out the door in a trade to improve the team. And that makes things really difficult for a guy like him because I think he knew that. I mean, just because the fit worked doesn't mean the fit wasn't or meant the fit was perfect because the, the Warriors essentially showed how one-dimensional the Mavericks were. You there? Still oh, muted. No, I agree. That's all right. The space to the, the point to where they literally could not get anything at the rim. It just showed, hey, uh, need to fix this. And not even the fact that the Warriors are just, they've been known for doing this for years. It's the fact that we saw it game in and game out and it just looked like it wasn't working like it did in the previous run of course i mean phoenix had their issues but phoenix is not 
uh, Golden State, obviously. Um, I got one more question because sure. I just want this to be public knowledge because we talked about this before, and I easily think this is still a 50-plus one team. And what do you say to the people for that? I think that a lot – like it's 50-plus barring Luka doesn't suffer any like ankle sprain. And I think that – the way he plays, he's like second or third in the league in terms of drives per game, and he's probably the biggest person to do that. It's it just, it's, it's, he's very Rob Gronkowski is where my head is. And I think that while he very well could play 75 games and be an MVP candidate, you just, it's, it's a little bit scary is not the right word, but like that's just how things go sideways is, is if he gets hurt. And there's not, you know, when he got hurt last season or yeah, what was it? COVID ankle fatness, like all sorts of things all at once in December. And Brunson kind of kept him steady. I don't trust Dinwiddie in terms of steadiness. So that's where I think the team has a lot more volatility, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Uh, Before I get out of here, man, I have one quick question also. Um, you know, as far as the 50 win things, I really think that happens as long as Luka doesn't come into camp looking like me and I weigh 250 pounds. You agree, right? He looks good right now. I mean, yeah, but, you know, we got some time left. We'll see. <laughs> Never put it past the man who could party himself out of shape. I understand. I speak from experience, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for joining. Uh, appreciate you, man. Have a good day. You too. All right. Coming up next, my guy, Harold. What's happening? Hey, Kirk. How you doing? I'm okay. Are, are you getting excited for Eurobasket? <laughs> yeah, I sure am. I uh, can't wait for it to get started. But I, I really wanted to make the case here today for optimism. And uh, as you know, I'm a lot more bullish than a lot of other folks about the Mavericks season. Um, but <clears throat> I wanted to make the case for why the, I think the Mavericks are definitely a better team than last year. And um, I wanted to start off with... Uh, you know, the, the main moves that we've made this offseason. So we lost Jalen Brunson, and we've gotten JaVale McGee. Let's just stop there. Let's not talk about Christian Wood just yet. Sure. So Jalen Brunson, let's talk about our defense, because basketball is defense and offense, team defense and team offense, right? So last year, after January 1st, I believe, I'm not sure of the numbers, but I believe we were like the third-ranked defense in the NBA, okay? And before January 1st, I think we were like 20th or something like that. But overall, it turned out that we were about eighth, I think, at the end of the year, somewhere around there. Okay, so the way I see it, and I think this makes perfect sense, it took a while for Jason Kidd to get the guys to buy in, but now that they've bought in, the third-ranked defense is who we are. That is who we are as the Mavericks. And when you have the third-ranked defense in the NBA, you're going to be a very good team, okay, unless your offense sucks. And a Luka Doncic-led offense, I'm going to tell you right now, is not going to suck. But let's just stick with the defense for now. So Jalen Brunson, you know, he, he wasn't a very good defender. We could say he was average to perhaps below average. I think he did well for his size, but you're still he's still six foot one at the end of the day. Right. And and we've basically replaced him now with Spencer Dinwiddie. And Spencer Dinwiddie was not even on the team before February. We already started to be a good defense and a good team before Spencer Dinwiddie got there starting in January until about mid February. 
Okay. So Jalen Brunson being gone, and now you're adding JaVale McGee, who's basically replacing Dwight Powell, who usually sucks at defense, but he's played a lot better since we didn't we stopped playing drop coverage. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> he was an escort service to the rim, and he was actually able right. to use his, like, frenetic energy. Yeah, but undoubtedly, JaVale McGee is a better defender than him. There's no doubt of that. So we've replaced Brunson with Dinwiddie. And JaVale McGee has replaced Dwight Powell. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I don't see how we're going to be worse in the fifth-ranked defense in the NBA next year. I mean, right there. That's, to me, that's, that's a done case. So now we're talking about offense. And I'm, what I'm saying is that what we've essentially done with these offseason moves is we've taken Dwight Powell and we've turned him into the second-best three-point shooting center in the entire NBA. How did we do that? Because we got Christian Wood. Christian Wood is Dwight Powell, but he can shoot the three at 39%, which is the second-best in the entire NBA for a center behind uh, Carl Anthony Towns. All right? And what we just did is we turned Dwight Powell into the best, tied with um, Dorian Finney-Smith, into the best three-point shooting player on the entire Mavericks. That's what we just did by getting Christian Wood. Because that's who Christian Wood is. He's a guy who's uh, a great role man who can shoot, apparently, um, is, is not known for defense, but it sounds like he can definitely switch very well, but he can't play down low, a lot like Dwight Powell. So, well, I, I'm, that's, that's yeah. Your first point, your second point are sort of – are aware that the reconciliation of how Jason Kidd and what sort of rope he gives everyone are going to sort of be interesting to watch because I think that you're a hundred percent right about the team having a defense first identity, but then what is it? And, and I've talked to a number of Rockets people and Detroit people about this. What is, is, has been unable to be decent at defense. So how do you, how, so it's like, how do you fit him? What sort of role do you play him in to where you can either minimize his weaknesses or show him how to maximize what he is good at to be a, like a positive contributor on defense? Because I sort of assume in a lot of circumstances that most lineups are going to have Lucas like the worst defensive player. And that, you know, at least for the, the, like the top six to seven guys, I don't know. Okay. Keep going though. I interrupted. No, no, it's fine. Please interrupt because I'm going to run out of things to say eventually. Um, but no, the, the way I see it too, though, is that and you were saying, how is Jason Kidd going to use these, these guys is that this provides us a lot of flexibility, a lot of flexibility. So against teams that, that have a crappy center and there are some people out there, that when Dwight Powell was in there, it didn't really hurt us too bad. He could play against those teams. Christian Wood can play in the same Dwight Powell role as at center, and it won't hurt us too bad, similar to how it was with Dwight Powell. So that should be fine. When we're playing against teams with a great center, okay, who Christian about, Wood – about five of them. There's only about yeah. five teams in the league that you're really concerned about there. And then that's, that's where JaVale McGee will come in handy. And he'll play a little bit more then. And I think it'd be good for us to have a second big man playing at the same time. You know, it could be Kleber, um, but then Wood could come in as well. I'm talking about playing power forward. So it gives us a lot of flexibility. And for teams that have kind of like a center that's somewhere in the middle, and I'm talking about maybe like Aiton. You know, I thought Maxi did a, a serviceable job against Aiton 
when he played center, and then they had at power forward. You know, they just played small ball after yep. that. But you can also play Christian Wood at power forward um, in those cases against teams like that and have Maxi play a little bit more at center. Um, and in the playoffs, it, it, it'll come more in handy. You don't want to overplay Maxi, But this just gives us a lot of flexibility. I don't see how we're going to be worse than, man, I'm going to tell you, like the 10th-ranked offense in the NBA and the 5th-ranked defense in the NBA. So that usually averages out to somewhere around like the 7th or 8th best team in the NBA. But and that to me, that's our floor because I, I don't see the defense getting worse and I don't see a Luka-led offense, unless he's hurt, like you said, um, by getting below like 11th or anything like that. I'm going to be – the schedule is sort of the thing. So from a big-picture case, I can understand where you're coming from. The schedule, now that we have it out there, is where things get real interesting. November is a murderer's row. They play 17 times in 31 days, I think against some really good competition. And I've been kind of uh, crowing for a while that they need to get off to a legitimately good start where they look good. They got off to a pretty good start last year, and then injuries and COVID happened, even though, like, their their win expectation was actually, like, below 500 because they – and we'll all remember who've been in this, this this these live hangouts. The Mavericks got their ass beat on national television – like four or five times in the first like 20, 25 games because they were like, they lost the Hawks by like 30. It was like, they're just some written. So it really threw off the way a lot of their data looked. And, and, you know, we didn't really know this team was for real until like mid January. And then they traded Porzingis and then we kind of had to figure it all out again. So it's like on paper, I'm hoping for a more consistent approach because Yes, they won 52 games last year. They did that on the strength of 35 wins in the new year, which is hilarious. So the, if if you're playing, I, so it's, they were 17 and 18, I think, at the break. They need to be, I, for me, a, a, a successful breakdown of the season comes with being above 500 the whole time. <laughs> no more of this, like, getting, like, falling under and looking terrible. Like, just playing consistent, better basketball the whole time. But also, I, I think, and now that I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, I want to see them, the Mavericks played the right, like, their best basketball at the right time. That was something I think that Jason Kidd kind of doesn't get enough credit for and the coaching staff at all because they really came together well down the stretch, which can't be said of some of the teams that, that the Mavericks ended up beating, like the like the Jazz and certainly of um, of Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, and and I also that was another point I was going to make is I mean, look at how good our defense was. I mean, especially in the playoffs. And you, you, I know you recall when we played Utah, there was this one one of the games where they only had like thirty seven thirty something points at halftime, and then of course there was the famous twenty seven points at halftime. For Phoenix, I mean that's that's real. This this yeah. happened, you know. We weren't doing this against bad teams. We were doing this against the the, the best teams, uh, playoff teams. So um, we're for real on defense. I am a little bit worried about the beginning of the year as well because I think based on the types of things that Jason Kidd said and what I saw last year, um, if you recall last year, he said something about I want to see it. I want to let it cook. For a little bit, you know, and last year he didn't play Reggie Bullock until like the second half of the year. Yeah, because Tim Hardaway got hurt. But I, I had mentioned in an earlier one other time when I called in um, that it seems like he wants to play the people that know his system 
for sure or if, or are familiar with the Mavericks from the previous year. And Bullock was a new player, so he didn't want to play him right away. McGee is familiar with the system, so he is playing him right away. Wood is not, so he isn't playing right away. So I do think that there it may happen at the beginning of the year. He's going to, quote-unquote, try some things. Hopefully it's not uh, posting up Dorian Finney-Smith again, you know, for the God, second year in a row. That was amazing. Two, yeah. two post-ups to start the year. And it's like he had like three in all of the right. season. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's that's the sort of thing. If we can get started in the year playing the same type of ball that we played at the end of last year and, and not be trying to change anything, just kind of gradually incorporate Christian Wood – um, I think we're going to be all right. But, I, yeah, I am a little concerned about the beginning of the year. But I want to see right. starting sooner rather than later. Like, just because the dude's in the last year of his contract, he's mercurial, yeah. I think. Let's let's call him mercurial because I don't want to insult him. But he's definitely been a difficult guy to deal with over the years. And I think by bringing him, you trade for him and then bring him off the bench in the long run, that's the sort of thing that bites you in the ass if you want to have any hope of re-signing him. That's really a down-the-line thing. It's just something I'm very I, – I think something – I don't know. I don't want to shoot my mouth off too much. I just – I would like to see him get as much – if he works, I would like to see him get as much use as possible because he's sort of the the high-level X factor that could determine whether we're talking about 48 wins or 56 wins. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, again, I'll just leave you with this. You just turned Dwight Powell into the second best shoot three point shooting center in the NBA by getting Christian sure. Wood. So <laughs> love, 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 and when you know, less Dwight Powell is good for all of us as much as you know he he sometimes warms our hearts. Um, thanks so much for for coming up. All right, thank you, Kirk. Take care. All right. Let's go to Chris. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Hey, good, Kirk. How you doing? I am all right. I'm I'm right. recovering from vacation. Recovering it has been six days, and I'm still seasick. I'm still seasick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I went on vacation last week uh, myself. So, yeah, this uh, summer has just been, uh, yeah, kind of dragging by. The just the lack of uh, Mavs news, and just I guess the whole Kevin Durant holding up the whole league. I guess with this whole drama, it just the really this has kind of been the most boring off season ever, really. Uh, after Christian Wood, I mean, is there anything else uh, on the horizon? I guess they still have a r- roster spot open. They do. Can you hit the mute button? I'm getting some feedback. I'm getting some feedback. Thanks, man. So they do still have that roster spot open. I do think that they are waiting to see if there can be any peripheral moves related to whatever happens or doesn't happen with – KD and that sort of thing. It's kind of been the deal the whole summer. Um, they did sign two guys. I think they still do. They have a three, a, a second two-way open. They had they brought in a couple of guys for camp deals that we've seen so far. It might be three people now. Um, none of them have Tyler, jumped kind off of a glance the, page the roster. Me. Was it T- Tyler Dorsey? I don't know who he is at all. Like um, he's on there, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued about Jaden Hardy. I know he didn't have a good. Uh, was it a summer league and all, but um, really we fixed one of our problems. Obviously we talked about it, you know, getting JaVale McGee and Christian Wood because that was the problem in the Western conference finals. We had no, we couldn't get rebounds. I mean, that's, <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy that we got taller and hopefully Tim Hardaway jr. Can, can come back. And cause I remember last year, it was just the beginning of the season. He was just, he just played horrible, you know, just shooting from the three point line. So 
Uh, I really don't have much just to say because I was kind of thrown off by this green room. And I'm just uh, trying to see if there's anything uh, uh, co coming on the horizon. I guess why, why they have the open roster spot? Or is there a, they're just waiting for a trade or something? Or I don't think they were in love with any of their options. Um, and I think that that results in just wanting to keep that spot open so that they could maybe be a player to the fallout that will, because people are expecting a, a, the log jam to break eventually in Utah because Utah's sitting on pieces like Mitchell's either going to make his way to New York or Miami or somewhere. And when that happens, there might be sort of a fire sale for the peripheral pieces. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. even like Mike Conley at this point might be exciting even though we cooked him alive, but it's that's just sort of the nature of, of what's happening um, at the moment. It's just a lot of wait and see and a lot of speculation and a lot of projection. Um, and that's fine. You know, we, you know what? I'm not even worried about it because I know how well Luke is going to come in. I think he'll probably be the most in shape uh, person coming into the season with how he's still young. He's Luca and he's playing all summer. He might take maybe a couple weeks off, but he's not going to go into this season like he did last year, coming in overweight. I mean, from the pictures I've seen and some clips I've seen with him playing in Slovenia, I mean, I'm pretty excited about it. As long as you've got Luca, you've got a chance. We've gotten bigger, you know, so I feel like it's kind of funny still just thinking about the playoffs that we're kind of responsible for blowing up Utah. And, you know, we embarrassed the – the Suns, after they were on like a nine-game winning streak against us before the playoffs, you know, so it was kind of a fun ride. Uh, you know, Golden State was just that good. It just kind of stopped us in our tracks there. But, you know, um, I'm excited about the season. I feel like it's uh, this summer is kind of dragging by, though. I'm looking forward to going. So I'm going to the first home game of the season. Outstanding. Yeah, they play the yeah they play, play the Grizzlies on a, on a Saturday night. So looking forward to that. Uh, I don't really have much else to say, but I've kind of like stumped here, but. No, you're good. Anyway, go Mavs. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chris. Um, so I'm looking at the schedule right now, and if Slovenia does well in Eurobasket, Eurobasket runs between September 2nd and – no, this was – it was originally scheduled between September 2nd and September 19th of 2021, and it, it's got bumped back a year to 2022, and it runs from September 1st to September 18th. I think it's reasonable to assume that – Slovenia will make it out of the qualification round. Okay. And if that's the case, they're going to be playing. I don't want to say anything that's not true, but they're going to be playing basketball for a while and then training camp starts. So there is all like, there's like at most like a 10 to 12 day period where Luca is not going to be with the Mavericks. Um, and so I, I feel, I'm feeling pretty bullish about this right now. Oh, Hey, Matej can maybe tell us what's going on. Hey, Matej, what's up? Are you there? Give him a second to make sure his mic's working. Maybe not. Might have to punch in and invite you back up. Let's try it again. All right, here. Um, okay, where did he go? I love when the the um, there he is. Invite to speak. Maybe he can tell because like I I I fall I'm following Eurobasket, but I am not like. I have no idea what I like. I, I watched the game that was because um, I have a ridiculous TV service. I watched it, it on uh, Sport Club One, which there and got to hear the the announcers. And so I have no um, <laughs> no idea what they're saying, but it was it was fantastic to watch. 
Um, watch Luca play. The last 10 minutes of the game were really entertaining. Uh, to answer um, Alan's questions, how many national TV games do the Mavericks get? When you remove the NBA TV games, I don't really count those as national games because not everybody has NBA TV. They play 21 times. 21 times is seventh overall. Uh, I think it's a pretty nice number, pretty pretty solid for for what when you look at who's ahead of them. You know, you got the Lakers, the Warriors, and it's also important to remember that once football season is over, the NBA has a lot of power with flex scheduling, so that could go up. Um, I will say, uh, let's see. Here's, Sean asks if anyone's getting Valley Sports Plus. Look, guys, if you're in the Dallas area, I, I I think you should get this. I really do. Twenty bucks a month is for all Dallas. Like it's all the sports. Like so much sports. And as I've gotten older, one thing I I, I tend to tell people is. If you're using something every day, it's worth paying money for it. Don't skimp out on things that make you happy uh, because otherwise you're just going to find yourself being irritated. Um, if anyone else has any questions, we can come up on stage. Otherwise, I am going to uh, I'm going to head back and try to, to finish up some some work here. I think we are – maybe we'll get together, see the, the Maverick – or um, the Mavericks. Uh, the Slovenian Maverick and Luka Doncic plays uh, tomorrow against Croatia, then a couple of games next week. One on the 25th, one on the 28th. I think I said that at the start of the show. We have some weird stuff on Mavs Moneyball. I'm trying to continue to record podcasts. I have one. I'm trying to get through as many Western Conference teams as I can. Don't really care about the East uh, as I'm talking about their team and their offseason. I recorded the show with the Ringers, Tyler Parker. For any of you who are, like, really on the Internet, he did uh, he did their Take Hunter series a long time ago. Uh, he's really funny, and we talked about the the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then I'm recording on Monday with um, a Pelicans guy, uh, Mason Ginsburg, to talk about their offseason. Pelicans are going to be horrifying this year. I'm not looking forward to playing them. Okay, folks, uh, this has been a good time. Everybody be good, and we will talk when we talk. Go Mavs. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua, and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter, and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film, and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.